Welcome to episode 48 of EIU Panthers Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Moser. On this week's episode, we talk with Eastern Illinois women's soccer head coach, Jake Plant. Plant, originally from England, talks about his experiences as a player here on the EIU men's soccer team, how he first got into the coaching business, and what it has been like to coach the women's program here at his alma mater. If you like this week's episode of EIU Panthers Podcast and want to hear more, be sure to follow and like us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can search EIU Panther Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. Consolidated Communications is a proud sponsor of EIU Panther Athletics. Want to learn more about the power of broadband for your home or business? Then visit consolidated.com today. The summer months are in full swing for EIU Athletics, with the annual Panther Club Fun Drive wrapping up this month. For more information on how you can join the Panther Club and support EIU Athletics, click on the Panther Club link on the official EIU Athletics website, eiupanthers.com. Also, the summer still has plenty of several youth camps available, and there are two Panther Club golf outings set for Effingham in July and Mattoon in August. Once again, more information on those available online at eiupanthers.com. Now to this week's episode of EIU Panthers Podcast with EIU Women's Soccer Head Coach, Jake Plant. And welcome to another edition of EIU Panthers Podcast. We're joined now by EIU Women's Soccer Head Coach, Jake Plant. And, and Jake, in addition to being a the coach of the team, is also a, an Eastern alum. And so, so we'll talk a little bit about that today. But thanks for joining us on the program, Jake. Yeah, good afternoon. So I talked a little bit about that. You you are the soccer coach for the women's team, but but a soccer men's alum, and I'm sure people pick it up here in your accent. Not from the U.S. You're from from England originally, so I guess tell a little bit of the story of how you came to 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 the U.S. to to, to play soccer. Ooh, that's a long one. Um, the short version of that is um, a friend of mine at school when I was I was sort of like in and out of teams back home, and he sort of threw almost like a magazine at me like hey look at this opportunity in America so chased it down kind of went somewhere and then I ended up in a school junior college in Iowa um, and it just so happened my coach there Mike Regan I went to Nyack um, the coach there at Nyack Mike um, he knew Adam from here so small world really we ended up playing in a tournament at Parkland so uh, you know that's about eight hour journey for us to come yep. and do that tournament Played it, Adam saw me play, so did Mark, who's Adam's assistant, and kind of that's how my connection first started with Eastern, and then, you know, played for Adam um, in 2012 and 13, um, was a GA under Mark 2014, and before Kiki came in, so, you know, I think that my time here at EIU is close to 10 years coming up here soon, so it's, yeah, I've been here a while now, I guess. Yeah. Now, and interesting for you is that I, I don't think having international players in soccer is is a, a foreign concept by no. any means there there are a lot you, you look at that and when you somebody in charles to meet you and you're like oh you're from england yeah. you weren't the only english player on the team at the time if i remember correctly no i mean we had um couple well two of us from england uh, with a german guy you know and obviously on my current roster we have girls from spain germany australia um Singapore, even though Sarah's from from America originally, like we just we have a whole thing, and if you go down college soccer at all levels, you know you've got domestic kids from the U.S. and you've got you know international players from all over the world, so you've just got them. It, it's fairly common. It's kind of easier than you think to get players like that to come here. It's it's a very mm-hmm. similar way 
that you would rec- you would recruit a, a domestic kid, honestly. So it's it's you know, yeah, it's good. We like it. Now, when you you think about that, uh, it's for you, you to come over as an international player to come play in the U.S. What what is the attraction there? Is it the opportunity to to continue to play soccer? I know people may not be super familiar with how the the higher education system is set up in in Europe and other places. Yep. I'm guessing there's not a lot of athletic opportunities at, at the collegiate level for for players correct yeah no it, it's very much like uh you either play or you do your education so it's a case of like my, my aspect of it was essentially i was trying to play professionally um, when i was 16 which is really when professional teams say yes or no to your youth team deal uh, i was told no twice so i was like yeah. well i'm kind of <laughs> at that point so I, it's fine I, I i admit that it wasn't wasn't quite good enough so um i could have gone to university in England and just gone to university. Now I could have gone to a, you know, there's a sports university down there called Loughborough. It's very well known in terms of being, that's the sporting university you go mm-hmm. to, but there was no real appeal of that to me. So like I said earlier, you know, a friend kind of threw a magazine at me and said, hey, look at this. And what I was looking at was basically playing at a high level, but also getting your degree and potentially being able to you know, offset some costs and life experience, you know, go to the US, mm-hmm. you, know, you, know, you know, live in a different place. So all those things kind of, you know, drew to me um but yeah it really the biggest draw was the fact that i could do both that i could maybe continue my you know my soccer career as well as get my degree which i did and now i'm still here so like there you go so it's just kind of one of those deals that where i'd recommend it to anybody that was in a similar situation to what i did yeah. now when, when you're looking at that so so you come to eastern you kind of took a little different journey in the fact you talked about you went to a junior yep. college and then came to a to a four-year schools universities don't recruit a lot over there they use like you talked about through a magazine ad or through through word of mouth Mm -hmm. is that kind of how you've been able to maybe as a former international player yourself use that to your advantage when you're now recruiting in terms of like what my experience and how i get Mm -hmm. players um yeah i mean i think so essentially the the advertisement i saw in a magazine was it was a company that specializes in saying essentially they're a middleman okay you know i pay them (laughs) they put my video in front of coaches over here. That's basically, I mean, in, in all reality, the kid can do that themselves, <laughs> but I didn't know what I was doing. And a lot of international kids don't know what they're doing, if I'm honest. So they do, the, these companies do play a role in terms of like, they help you with your visa and they help you in lots of other things. So, you know, these companies, honestly, since I've come over here in the last 10 years, I guess, um, have just blown up. There's, I mean, there's probably 10 in every country now. So yep. it's kind of a bit, so it's very easy for me to make these contacts, they usually reach out to us because they know that they need us um, to go and look at their kids. So um, just like um, trying to think like a huddle, have, you, know, you know, domestic kids use huddle to put their videos on and they send it to coaches. It's essentially a glorified version of that. But, you know, they do lay it out. They make it easy for us. You know, there's video. We have their grades. They usually have like their ACT scores. So everything that we need to know about a kid that, you know, to get the kid admitted and for us to make a soccer decision on them these you know organizations make it quite easy for us you know what i mean so that's kind of you know even though i do have connections personally i don't re- you don't really need them yeah. if you really wanted to recruit internationally you, you can do it you just got to look in the right right direction really now yeah. for you for you having been a former international player and gone through that experience do you think that helps you 
in terms of when you're trying to recruit international players that you can kind of you've been in their shoes you kind yeah. of know some of the the hurdles they're going to have to overcome and maybe help you when you're when you're giving that speech on hey this is why eastern's a good fit for you yeah i think so i think you know every university is going to sort of talk about their challenge to recruit a kid and our, our challenge here at eastern is, is there's a few of them but at the same time it's like one of them for an international kid to be like right, i'm going to go to where i'm wherever i'm from to maybe sort of a college town in maybe a more rural area in, in the middle of the US. Like, yep. how do I live there? Well, I can immediately talk to, well, I did it and I loved it and I'm still here and blah, blah, blah. Yep. So it definitely helps the fact that I can talk from experience and, and it's genuine experience too. It's not like I'm there just sort of like trying to be a salesman. I'm trying to literally talk to them like about my personal experience and why I liked it now. Mm -hmm. And I'm very transparent with that. I'm like, look, just because I liked it doesn't mean you're going to like it. Yeah. You know, you know, I always say that to some of the, some of the recruits from certain countries that are usually after sunshine, usually after beach palm tree. And I'm like, look, you ain't going to get that here in Charleston, <laughs> but if you want a good college town, you want a good solid soccer program, you want to get a great degree and you want to be safe. You want to be in a place like this. It's perfect for you. So like you still have to kind of see that they genuinely like it, but you kind of have to show them that, that it could be that. So, and obviously, you know, myself having that experience and we've had staff, here in the past, Carla Sender from Spain, Raimundo Gonzalez from Mexico, like, and then obviously, you know, people like Kiki, who's very experienced with, with recruiting like that, and, and, and Dirk has been right there with us too, so we can all talk from a, from a human level of what Charleston's like, because we've lived it for a long time, so, yeah, we, we don't see that too much of a challenge for us, yeah. because we, you know, like you say, it's, it's easy, easy. Now, when you were on the pitch here at Eastern, you had some success a as a player, did you see yourself kind of moving into coaching or is coaching something you kind of fell into through through connections and, and other circumstances? Yeah, I'd say definitely. For me, I was always driven towards playing. Like even after college, it's like I want to keep playing, keep playing, keep playing. Um, I don't know if you remember this, Rich, but like the, the fall after I was done, I was coaching with Mark. It was kind of one of those, like yep. like you say, I fell into. Mark wanted to keep me. I wanted to be still around with the team. Like tore my ACL playing with the guys okay so it was one of those where like the playing plan kind of like definitely got a pause on for about 18 months and then in that 18 months I s just grew this love for the process of coaching and and developing and having an impact in that way and by the time it came back around to me being physically ready it was kind of more like well I'll give it a go but I've got a pretty solid thing that I really really love doing right there behind me so it was one of those where I was very lucky that this opportunity kind of definitely fell in my lap um, I took it and you know like you say I think this is about to be my eighth season coaching now so um, overall from between the GA all the way through now um, yeah it's definitely something that we just they every coach I've ever spoken to it gets addicting it's one of those yeah. things where like whether it's winning or trying to improve it's just one of those things that once you've sort of experienced it and shown the process it's very hard to get out of and I'm right in the middle of it I'll say that so yeah it fell in my lap but you know I don't think I'd ever change it again if I got to go and repeat it I wouldn't change it yeah. now interesting for you and in the fact that you started you, you mentioned this you started as a graduate assistant with mm -hmm. the men you were sexually an assistant with the men yep. an assistant with the women at the time when we had a different setup where yep. kiki lara was overseeing both teams then you moved to be the the head coach of the women's program what differences did you have to kind of maybe learn as a coach coaching and having been a men a male men's player yep. to then taking over and coaching the, the female program yeah, I think a lot of people would think, oh, there must be tons of things you have to adapt to. And I think that our philosophy, and you know, I've got to give a massive amount of credit to Kiki, that our philosophy was like, we're going to coach you like athletes, period. Non-gender specific, we're going to coach you the way that we think the game 
should be coached, you know, because we're the co- we are the coaches, so yeah. we're going to coach a philosophy. We're going to teach it to both. We're going to make sure that our culture off the field matches what we think should be done, doing things at the right time. We all had our individual identities within the teams, and what we found that when we took that method was that there wasn't a whole lot of difference, you know, a whole lot of difference to to do. You know, what I mean, I think that, um, you know, I think that's what I would recommend to anyone is to approach it in that in that way, and I think you'll realize that, you know. You know, I'll give credit and I'll say this and I don't mind saying this to, about the guys because I was on there. The girls definitely learned those philosophies very quickly compared yeah. to some <laughs> of the guys did. But, you know, I think that's probably one of the main ones that I could probably speak to. You know, sometimes every guy kind of comes with a bit of an ego and comes with a bit more of a, oh, I know the answer already. So that learning process with those guys can be a little slower. You can butt heads a little bit more. But And I think it was a really nice, pleasant kind of change going onto the girls' side. Like they were just very educational attentive they wanted to learn and they learned and they learned quickly so i think that's one of the big ones um for for the positive and i think that um but honestly when you really have a bunch of athletes in front of you um just coaching them like that and coaching them tough and keeping them accountable they'll they'll um they'll all trend in the right direction which is really what we wanted and it's it's really what we saw with both groups so we we're very happy with the way it turned out now the other question i always am curious about is when people watch soccer on an international level and, and most of the exposure they get to it is at the world cup rightly or wrongly but the, the soccer of course the global game yeah but soccer is played differently around the world with you oh, being yeah. a somebody from england do you feel that you then as a coach bring that english style or do is there a different style that that you feel like you coach your team from uh, it's interesting because you know i think that obviously i'm an english football fan but then in terms of like maybe my sort of you know my apprenticeship of coaching was definitely under kiki so his philosophy you know like it's not my my i was drawn to his philosophy and we kind of like amalgamated it but really i i would came to him in terms of that so i'd say that you know any of the old school people that know what english football was like it was very much direct it's very brutal very physical whereas the modern game has changed what that is to maybe more in line with what we coach here in terms of like we like possession based soccer uh, we, you know, but, you know, for me in terms of like, well, I'll never ever budge on things like the physicality in terms of like, you have to, the work ethic of it all in terms of like, you have to have that old school tough mindset, <laughs> which was drilled into me as a kid growing up in England, you know what I mean? Like this is an absolute, if you don't have it, we're not going to win games. Um, so I think that there's definitely, you know, a, a good mixture with me. I think in terms of like the, the sort of the mindset versus maybe the start, the playing style has been merged maybe you know in a very international way from different people's philosophies so i think that it's not typical i don't think you'd see us play and go oh that coach must be english outside yeah. of me screaming certain things on the <laughs> sideline right so i think that's kind of a good thing but you know i'm i'm never really married to to um one philosophy i don't think i think in the end what college soccer has definitely taught me is that you better be fluid otherwise cuz you're going to eventually the philosophy you love you're going to lose with it yeah. at a certain point in my belief so i think you have to adapt and i think you're going to have to change certain things to make sure you still win because at the end of the day I'm employed to win games so I think that if I can do that as in line with our philosophy as possible that's what we're always aiming for yeah and then kind of a follow-up question as part of that and it'd be interesting to see where where you kind of go is you talked about fluidity and the the type of your style of coaching do you have fluidity then in the type of players that you recruit or are you recruiting is there a certain type of player that you want to recruit I, I need you know 
a short, speedy player to be at a forward, or I need sure, a, yeah. a taller, physical player to be in the mid-back. Yeah, a little bit. I think that like you, the way that you want to play, you have to set up with certain players in certain positions. For example, I have certain kids on the field that I need on the field for the system to work, which is where like maybe you know, you know, when people have a bad year or a good year, it's because they either got that wrong or right. But in terms of like whether I got a tall kid up top or a short kid up top, no, I'd never think about that. Like you, you can. Uh, hopefully, my girls don't mind me saying this, but in terms of the fact that we're not we're not a tall team, we never really have been a tall team. I'm not a coach that's afraid to put on a on a player that is not six foot tall, even though we do have some you know taller girls. It's one of those where like if I think that you're good enough to do the job, I'll I'll play you in that position for sure. But I think that you know there's <clears throat> certain things, certain attributes that you need, and I think that the number one thing that you have to kind of have at our level division one is that speed is just one of those things that just is very useful mm-hmm. but with our philosophy our style of play and the way that we teach possession technique and iq are the big things that we look for in kids big big things so like if their technique is solid and the way that they look at the game because um you know i think that arguably you could say that they're the kind of the tough things to teach so if the kid already has a good foundation of that and we can build on it then it's going to make our team much better um so yeah those are the kind of things you know we always like to kind of also look at like how tough the kid is and we use the word grit a lot in terms of what we're what we're looking at when we're recruiting a kid that can you prove to us that you kind of have these attributes um so those are things that we look at but i think that whether it's all short you know (laughs) fast slow i think if they can get the job done that we're we're always going to be looking at them for sure and then my other question with that and this will be interesting your perspective on this when you played at eastern they were in the missouri missouri valley conference one style of play sure. when you coached on the men's side they're in the summit league a little bit yeah. different style of play sure then in the women's side in the ovc a, a different yeah. style of play there mm-hmm. have you noticed that you recruit then to the style that your league plays or are you recruiting more to the style that you want to play as a coach the style that we want to play as a coach for sure. And I think that, but then that decision is then based on what the style of the league is too. So like the style of the OVC, you know, is one way. And I honestly, I think that ourselves, we try and play a little bit outside the box of that. I don't think we're trying, we're not trying to keep up with the Joneses in that respect of like, I think that we, we, we've seen that if we teach a certain way that we, we got a, like a little bit of success kind of quickly, I'll say that. And then it kind of drifted and we kind of like, we hit this plateau of like, all right, we've got to tweak some things, which is, which is fine. But I think that, um, what showed us is the fact that we approached it in a different way and we got six we, we kind of we were far behind the group yep. in our opinion as coaches we were like you know you got the top these 10 and then we're eastern eiu's at the bottom and we we quickly jumped up the league mm-hmm. um for a couple of years and obviously we had a tough one this year but that quick jump allowed us to think okay maybe it's the fact that we we approached it in a different way we didn't go down the same route in terms of style of play we did our own thing and it's a thing that we believe in the girls believe in it so i think that um we were outside of me being stubborn and and sticking with it, but I think that we were onto something there in terms of still having to. We have to progress quicker than everybody else to catch them. We're still catching because yeah. we haven't won anything yet. So I think that we're still you know tweaking things. Dirk is great to work with because he's the he's he's like the he's always tinkering with things. He's making me think in different ways. So you know I think that we're always trying to um, think outside the box and not trying to do what everybody else does because we. If you look at the OVC, I think in the last three, four years, you've had a different winner in the regular season and a different winner of the postseason every year for the last three years, which shows me that if we're all trying to play the same style of play, it's not consistent. Yeah. There's a different winner every year. We're trying to get to a point where 
for the next five years, you're going to see ERU at the top. And I think that we then have make sure we have to have a style of play that's repeatable and then we can actually be successful with it. So we think it's repeatable, but we haven't quite had the success yet. So we're still tweaking things to make sure that we grab that success and then we can really think that this philosophy is something, you know. Yep. Yeah. Now you talked a little bit about last year you guys had had a slipped off a little bit the year before you guys had made it to the end of the tournament yep. the year before that and into the semifinals. So yep. Like you talked about, a very quick trajectory to the top, and I know what you want to do is have that consistency. Yep. You've got a lot, and I think almost all of your girls back from Everybody. last year, and you included a lot of new girls plus a lot of returners. How important is that, having a lot of those players back and having played in the spring, yeah. getting that, that COVID year to help build what you guys want to do for the fall? Yeah, I think the last 12 months has been really useful for us. As much as it was a pain, you know, as us, you know, we, we, we don't like the way our season went. The girls didn't, I didn't, Dirk didn't. We, we, we really, but I would, if we had to go back to January and redo it, I would do the same thing um, purely because I think that um, the hardships that, sort of we did and, and sort of the mistakes that we all made myself including like I think that it was the very sort of obvious and fixable so I think that when we left campus as a group we all sort of realized how motivated we were to kind of like get back on board and, and get going again in August so to your previous point of like everybody is coming back the fact that I don't have to reteach that to anybody the fact that the, the basically the 26 girls that we have are returning and then we get to add you know another six freshmen to that the, rather than saying okay because last the year before we lost nine yeah and then we brought in 14 so it was a big like it was a big yeah. turnover so the fact that we don't have to do that and the fact that, that you know the kind of the hardships are quite a raw they're still very recent uh the motivation of the team is pretty high um so yeah i'm excited you know i think i mean i'm just you know i, I like working with this group every day that they're such a good group to work with they work hard i think that they're, they're genuine people they you know when you, you you think in your head oh i have a good group you know, I think there's always a seed of doubt with coaches, like, well, what if something could go yep. wrong, blah, blah, blah. But for this group, I just think that, you know, I think that we've got older leadership, you know, thanks to that COVID year, those fifth-year guys are coming back, and then we've got a lot of good young talent coming through. So it's a good balance of making sure that we have, you know, a bit of everything and, and they're all coming back, like we said. So, yeah, I'm happy with that, yeah. Now, for you, we, we, we talked, we'll circle back to kind of some of your, your youth soccer time. You grew up, of course, in England. A big fan of, I'm guessing, the English Premier League, or or are you are are you kind of one of those that you've been out of the country long enough that you maybe have some favorite teams in other leagues? Uh, so I mean, I'm a soccer fan in general. So like, if there's a game on, I'm watching it, and everybody's like, "Oh, who's your Premier League team?" That's the thing that I get asked a lot. Well, my team isn't quite good enough to play in the Premier League. <laughs> so we in England, there's four professional tiers, and there's a promotion relegation system. So my team is in the second tier. It's called Birmingham City. Um, we've been in the Premier League, but there's no way we're a Premier League team. We were, we, we had some high moments, and now we're back to where we should be in the second division. So that's my team. Loyal. I'll never wear another jersey. Like to my own stupidity, probably more than anything. But in terms of like you know, you know, my wife is from Miami. We just went to an Inter Miami game down in Florida yep. when I just got back from Florida. So you know, it, it's been nice to go to you know enjoy you know games like that and kind of get into that fandom of a different league and stuff like that but um you know right now the euro 2021 the european competition that's going on for internationals like that's on i'm watching every single game like can't look away so yeah my team is my team it'll always be my team but i i don't mind obviously i, I love watching soccer in general whether it's college the, the women's game the men's game the world cup the third division in lithuania i don't care like it doesn't matter to me so we'll we'll watch it but 
yeah, Birmingham City, I'm 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 loyal to those guys, like like you said, stupidity <laughs> probably, but uh yeah, that's the, I grew up there. I grew up in the city. Yep. We were season ticket holders our whole lives. Like we just we bleed blue, the other type of blue, I guess. But, okay. um, but yeah, that's that's where I'm at with that one. Now you mentioned her. I was going to eventually get around to her. Your wife Megan. She yep. is she is not from Charleston either. So, but you both met at Eastern. So so yep. interesting that what what drew I guess both of you. I know what drew you here. Kind of what drew her, her here, and at what point in time. Does she ever say, Jake, I've had enough soccer, or have you gotten to got not gotten to that point in your relationship? Yet? Well, luckily, <laughs> soccer is the reason she was drawn to at least the Midwest, not necessarily okay. Eastern, but she so she was a soccer player out of Miami that got recruited up to Parkland College. Okay, um, guy called Josh Alford, who's at Northern Iowa right now, very good guy. So um, he recruited my wife up to Parkland, um, and then she again ACL tear like me sort of stopped the playing career for her. So she was kind of in flux between her second and third year wanted to stay in the midwest so she came down to eastern just to finish her degree she was in athletic training okay. eastern obviously had the athletic training program very good one so it's like she came down here obviously i'm already here at that point um i mentioned the parkland tournament that my juco team played in she was at the tournament at the same time sort of thing so that we didn't really know each other but small world type thing and obviously two soccer people in at eastern obviously we know that we're not a giant fantastic city like chicago like we're gonna bump mm-hmm. into each other at a certain point so once we did, we sort of found we had that kind of very strong in common. So the conversation of, hey, can we turn soccer off, has never happened okay. because she's, <laughs> she's as much of a fan of, as I am, really, to be honest. So the reason I was at the Miami game is obviously because of her. Otherwise, I may not have gone. But So, yeah, we're a soccer house, man. We, we can't help it. So who is so who is her soccer team? Does she have does she have a, a team or has she become a, a Birmingham City fan by default? By default, <laughs> yeah, but you know, when you really think about now that Miami have now got their franchise, that's her team for sure. Okay. Like I know that she's she's like uh you know, she's a diehard Dolphins fan, you know, because of her dad. Mm-hmm. Um she's a diehard Miami Heat fan because of it, you know, not quite a Marlins, she's not quite a baseball fan, but sorry Jason, but um I think that, that, you know, she's a Miami girl, like, I'm loyal to the Miami thing. It's another thing that I'm, you know, I saw in her as well, which is nice. So, obviously, I'm all about Birmingham. She's all about Miami. So, as soon as Miami got their team, helps that it's David Beckham's team, you know, her little little crush that she has. So, um, yeah, no, that's that's her thing. She she doesn't much. She comes to the Birmingham games when we go back. She'll come and she'll cheer. She loves the fact that the atmospheres in Europe are just, they are quite different. Um, she was just in awe of it, so she obviously has that respect just for the English game or the European game, I should say. But you know, I think that when we took, we watched the the Miami versus Orlando game last week in at the Miami Stadium, and she's just yeah, I think that's number one for her now, yeah, quite easily. Now you talk about that. You you grew up your whole life with soccer. You talked about how how different it is in Europe and even in smaller you know second division teams like you talked about for yep. Birmingham City. MLS is kind of started to to get into the mainstream since you've been here in the sure. u.s yeah what have you seen in it in its growth and maybe some of the games you've been to how are they trying to maybe i don't want to say mimic but that's that's probably the best term yeah and create that atmosphere that that you would get going to a, a match in europe yeah i think that if we use the word mimic rightly in certain ways i think you could probably if you had more soccer people in the room now we could have a good debate on it you know, I know that when we had we, when we had you know the men's and the women's staff in the same hallway, we'd have these debates a lot yeah. about the way the game has grown in America, in the U.S., and how should it continue to grow? Because even if you look at you know the way that the MLS named their teams, you got Orlando City, 
you've got Atlanta United. So like they're almost replicating kind of the English that's, you know, there's Manchester United and mm -hmm. Birmingham City, yeah. like just mimicking the names as franchises. So like you can either say that's a good thing because we're mimicking a successful, you know, model. And then you've got other people that maybe the purists are like, why don't we just stick to who we are rather than copying somebody else? So there's that fresh kind of a fresh debate in the way the game is. But to go back to like, I think Beckham started at LA Galaxy maybe like a year or two before I came over here, maybe three years. So I did get to see kind of the, the Beckham effect on what the MLS is and how it's grown. Um, whether he had a role in it or not, but he's definitely a, the face of yeah. it, right? Now he's a franchise owner. But I think the fact that I couldn't tell you how many franchises were there when I came over, but I think, you know, we're, we're clear into maybe 24, maybe even trying to go up to 30, 32 franchises, what the MLS is trying to do. You got you know Cincinnati now have one, Nashville now has one, Miami obviously has one, St. Louis is about to have one, Indianapolis has a USL team they're trying to make into an M. So the game is growing, and I think the the major major thing is obviously can you get people in their stadiums? And the reason I love the game is because I went to Birmingham City as a young boy. I saw the green grass, I saw the game, I saw the atmosphere, and I just fell in love. Like yeah. this is it, and I, I I fully believe that just we just need more kids in stadiums to get that feeling. And the game will naturally grow in the United States, which I think is what's happening because you've got more professional teams. That means you've got more youth teams underneath it, which allows more kids to play. So if more kids can play and more kids can fall in love with what the game is and maybe you know have that kind of, oh, this team is my mm -hmm. team type thing, I think that that's key to grow the game anywhere. Um, and I think that is happening in the US. Now, I think that the US and the MLS gets a lot of bad press in that respect in terms of like maybe it's a bit more it's not as organic and things like that but here's what i would say to that my team as the, the the team it started in 1875 so you're talking like nearly 150 years yeah the mls i think was made in 1995 yeah something like that so you're talking like not even a fraction so you got to give the league you got to give time yeah. you got to you got to give the, the country bit more time to realize that you know this is a good game because you've still got obviously football baseball basketball that kind of sits above the game of soccer mm -hmm. in the u.s so like you say th th there's it's growing how quickly it's growing i'm sure there's people out there that are smarter than me that know but i, I think i like the way it's going i think the fact that there's just more teams is a good thing and there's more kids playing and yeah we're seeing young young kids come through to the u.s men's national team the women's national team have been killing it for a long time yep. so I just think that the game is inevitably going to grow. Just how quickly they want it to grow, I think you've just maybe got to leave that to be natural, I think. I don't think you can force it, otherwise it'll turn people away from it, unfortunately. Okay. Now yeah. we talked to you and your wife. You, you guys both have a love for soccer, but I know yeah. away from soccer you, you do have some, some side passions. Most people may not know this. I learned this last year that, that you own a Harley and you like to ride yeah. Harleys. Is that is that a, a solo activity, or is that something the wife gets to go with as well? No, I mean, I, she's more than welcome to, but she sort of leaves me alone to it. You know, I, yeah, the, the Harley thing is actually probably half her fault, honestly, because <laughs> when she was in, when we were in college, she had a, she had a, a bar job over in Mattoon. Uh, great bar, great bar owners. Um, the local on 45, if you're wondering. It's not there anymore, unfortunately. But it, it, a lot of bikers came through okay so you befriend them you talk with them you kind of sit on it and you kind of go man this is kind of be kind of cool so um yeah so that's what it was <laughs> took the took the class out here at the coles county airport okay. over the weekend <laughs> got my license and there you go so yeah it was just one of those things that was kind of i every now and again i'd be it can be kind of random and, and get a hold of stuff but yeah the, the harley is fun to to ride definitely definitely a, a good one and then for you guys with you guys being a 
I would call it a split family in the fact that your family is from England and yeah. her family is from Florida. How does that then break down when you guys have to decide where are we going to go for the holidays? It's it it's it's not an easy trip to either one of those places. No, no. I mean, you throw our dog in there, so we don't fly anywhere. So we usually have to drive places. So it's like, you know, I think we we finally reached the age where maybe they're going to come to us, which is nice. Yeah. Um, rather than us kind of floating around every every holiday, but I'm sure every couple goes through that, right? Where they everyone has to go. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we do Miami a lot more than England for probably obvious reasons. It is easier to travel to. Um, two years ago, we did get back to England for Christmas, which was really nice. Um, but I think, you know, my mom and dad are both retired now, so they're both trying to come over this way. Um, Meg's parents, um, not necessarily retired at this point, but, you know, they have a lot of, you know, zeal to come up to Charleston as well. I think, no, but this Thanksgiving, I think we're hosting a bunch of people. So there you go. it's finally <laughs> happened where they're coming to us, which is nice. But, I mean, I, I personally love going down. I, going down to Miami, it's a great place. You know, it's warm, so that's yeah. nice, and especially in November, Christmas time. And then, uh, you know, it's always lo- lovely to go back to, to, back to England and, and see friends and family, for sure. So we, we'll hopefully we get to do that once COVID settles down. And then final question for you as we'll wrap up the, the podcast here, Jake, is kind of what are you guys, I guess, most looking forward to for this, this upcoming season as we slowly, I guess, make our way back to what it normal is? Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. I think that um, what we missed – you know, in the spring was just maybe a bit more, more games, I think, you know, I think that we got to, we were obviously very lucky to play the 10 games that we did, but, you know, I think we're going to play 18 this year, and, you know, it's going to, we're going to go back to kind of that normal feel of, you know, um, yeah, I, I don't know, I think, I think the, the competitive side of playing more games, and, you know, you know, if you have a bad result, the next game's not that far away, and you can go and fix your problems, or you get a good result, and the next game's not that far away yeah. to, you know, get some rhythm, I think in the spring was was definitely that was up against everybody right so it's not just us but everybody so I think that just being able to go back to that normal feeling of like you know let's we're playing a lot of games this is what we're here to do this is kind of like that's the the, the tip of the pyramid we did all this work to play games yeah so we're going to play double the amount of games so I think that that's probably the uh, the nicest it's what I'm personally more excited about because I just think that Coaching every day and coaching on the sideline is, is, is the funnest thing about it. So if we get to do that eight more times this year, then great. No problem with that. Perfect. Thanks for joining us, Jake. No problem.